0: Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at slash with Amex. You know
1: our trusted partner, TireRack.com, for their fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of best tires, like the highly consumer rated. General Grabber ATX. But did you know they sell other automotive products? Wheels, brakes, suspension, just to name a few. Go to tirerack.com slash colin. Tirerack.com, the way tire buying should be.
0: The volume.
1: It's time for the parade in Pasadena. Tradition meets college football action in one epic bowl game. And with DraftKings Sportsbook, you can make every play count. New customers can score 150 instantly in bonus bets just for betting $5 on college football. Download the app now and use code JOHN. New customers can score 150 instantly in bonus bets for betting just 5 bucks on college football. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code J-O-H-N. JOHN, the crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www. 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in New York. Call 877-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467 In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888 78 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire. 168 hours after issuance see dkng.com football for eligibility and deposit restriction terms and and responsible gaming resources what is going on everybody uh a little day after christmas podcast and here's the plan couple things. One, just let last night the Ravens Niners kind of just simmer in my brain overnight. Had a quick take there. Then uh, hit on the coach of the year, and then we'll just go heavy, heavy in the mailbag. Add John Middlecoff. Add John Middlecoff is the Instagram. Fire in those DMs. Get your question answered here on the show. Very, very easy to do. Game plan is just to fire podcasts all week. And yeah, keep firing those DMs. Got a lot of questions to ask. Obviously it's weird. You know, it's like Tuesday, but it feels I don't know like a weekend, but there's no football on or maybe there is some pole games a little thrown off. I'm recording this in the morning on Tuesday when <laughs> I go play a little golf, get out of the house, get some fresh air, maybe maybe have a few cocktails and just keep the party rolling. So, but wanted to fire out a podcast early in the morning. And yeah, the game plan, like I said, podcast all week. If you listen on Collins' feed, make sure you subscribe to the three and out feed. Appreciate everyone that has. We also got a YouTube channel. So all of our videos, all of our podcasts are video form as well. So Three and Out YouTube page, fire a subscribe there and you can catch us all if that's how you consume because we got something for everybody. Yeah, let's rock and roll. I think I got the best present for anyone at Christmas and it was because my brother opened Christmas gifts, his kids ripping up. You guys know how that goes. We got shit everywhere and all of a sudden the gift opens and it's floor seats at a a country music concert here in, in a couple weeks here in Sacramento. And my brother's sitting front row. He's like, well, how'd you how you pull this off? How much money do you spend? I said, well, I, I got friends. Uh, and I got friends at GameTime. So just go to your smartphone, download the Game Time app, promo code John at checkout, concerts, comedy shows, football games, hockey games, NBA games, you name it, any event you want to go to. Download the GameTime app, search the event. It gives you great map. You can like search the price point, gives you sight lines. And then promo code John. That's my name. J O H N. J O H N. Promo code John. $20 off at checkout. I wanted to kind of recap the Ravens because I don't know if I did it quite justice last night. How unreal Mike McDonald, the defensive coordinator for the Baltimore Ravens, is. And I know someone on the staff, and we were texting, I think, as they were going to the buses, and he's like, the dude's a boy genius. He's pretty special. And I'll be honest, I didn't know that much about him. Besides Jim and John kind of passed him back, he's 36 years old. He's now been the Ravens' defensive coordinator. This is the second straight year since Wink went to the New York Giants. And the year before, he was Michigan's defensive coordinator at 33 years old. This guy was born in 1987. If he was an offensive coordinator doing what he's doing, right, he would be a lock to have three or four contract offers in January to be a head coach. He would be viewed equally, if not better, than Ben Johnson with the Lions. But he's a defensive coordinator, and to me, he's no lock to get a job just because... That's just the way it works, right? I think it'd be easy to kind of go the other way. Well, Brandon Staley, you know, this guy did not play college football, even though he went to Georgia. He was coaching high school football when he was in college. And it's it's a piece of advice I will always pass along. Anytime you're very passionate about something and you know what you want to do, start working in that field immediately, no matter what. Because the faster you can hone your craft in said industry, the faster you can move up. So when you see this guy, 36 years old, He's been a defensive coordinator now at Michigan in 21 for the Ravens for the last two years. How did he get a job so early? Well, he had 15 years of experience. He started coaching immediately. Started coaching when he was 18, 19, 20 years old. And obviously the best thing that ever happened to him is he went to work for Harbaugh. And he got to work for the other Harbaugh. And then he went back for the other Harbaugh. So it's, it's worked out really, really well. Now, there is more to being a head coach than just being a good coordinator. But this guy is an elite coordinator. It's pretty clear. And one thing that stuck out to me, and we talked about it on Monday night, is Kyle Shanahan has had trouble this year against big-time defensive coordinators. Brock Purdy especially. Him and uh, Jim Schwartz of the Cleveland Browns really kind of punked them. And there's a physical nature that, like I said, the Niners are used to dictating that. And the Ravens went into this, one, we're going to shove you around. And two, did you notice last night that some of their tip balls, and some of them didn't even lead to interceptions, put your hands up? Brock Purdy's not a 6'5 quarterback. So if you get your hands up in the throwing lanes, it's not easy for him to get it over. It's why the one play by the corner, Clowney had a tip pass. And to me, that's coaching. We, We talk a lot about the details. I think I had a DM of someone pissed off at Mike McCarthy refusing to double team the edge rushers for the Miami Dolphins. Like, listen, if you get beat on a given play, it happens. It's the pros. They get paid too. Eventually, you got to adjust. Now, sometimes when I got the Jimmys and the Joes and the Xs and the Os, there's only so much you can do. But Kyle Shanahan and Brock Purdy have been eviscerating everybody for the last month. I mean, they've been scoring 40 points with their eyes closed. And last night, Mike McDonald, like I said, if it was flip-flopped and Kyle was a defensive guy and Mike was an offensive guy, he'd be a head coach of a team today. (laughs) It'd be like the contract offers in your agent's email inbox. How You want ten? You want $12 million a year? <laughs> Become our next head coach. But when you're a defensive head coach, rightfully so, we ask the question, how does he handle the quarterback? Does he know anything about offense? Who's going to be his offensive coordinator? If he does get a good quarterback, will that offensive coordinator leave if he has success? And, you know, it, it, it is questions that have to be asked. But there's no question about it that those guys are discriminated against in the NFL when it comes to owners and when it comes to front offices. They're not looked at as equals in terms of the hiring cycle. It's why, and listen, I think some of it's justified. Everyone's talking, oh, Dan Quinn, Dan Quinn. I saw Dan Quinn as a head coach. When he had Kyle Shanahan, they were awesome. When he didn't, it wasn't great. It was actually pretty embarrassing. He's a really good defensive coordinator. And he just, his whole career is going to be predicated on, who does he hire? And if that guy has success, and his team has success, that guy will leave. Like, that's the one thing. If you're the Ravens, and you have Mike McDonald, there is not a lock that he's going to become a head coach. You might end up having the guy for four years. Now, I, I would imagine, you know, he, he definitely gets some interviews this offseason, and he's probably head coach within the next couple years. But if it was the equivalent of the other side of the ball, he'd be gone. If C.J. Stroud never gets hurt, and the Texans win that division, and they had won 10 or 11 games, and he has one of the great offensive rookie you know, seasons of all time, like, I, I got news for you, Bobby Sloak's probably a head coach. And, and I don't know much about his leadership, how he could handle the team, but that's just the way the cookie crumbles in the National Football League, right? In college, it's a little different because recruiting such a big part of everything you do and if you're a good recruiter. But having an offensive background is a huge swing point for ownership. And I get it, right? That's the quarterback and the points butter our bread around here, right? That's where our bread is buttered. I think I screwed that saying up. But when you watch last night, like it doesn't get any better than that. So from a defensive X's and O's schematic standpoint, we've seen it for a couple of years now. The guy is elite. Like there's no like to me when I watch Brandon Staley, no one has any fucking clue what to do. And the Rams defense has been good since Sean McVay's been there. Now you say the Ravens defense has been good. True. I think they're dramatically more fundamentally sound than when they had Wink because Wink, who's a really good defensive coordinator, just very blitz happy. And remember, part of the reason him and John Harbaugh, Wink wanted like 4 or $5 million. John was like, well, can you stop playing uh, zero blitzes? He's like, no, it's kind of what we do. And you watch Mike, like he'll do whatever. He will do whatever it takes to win. I need to stack the line, stop the run. Do I need to play coverage? Do I need to blitz? I'll do whatever it takes. And those are the type of coaches that I like. And that's the problem with Kyle Shanahan. He can get very stuck in his ways. And then when he tries to be something different, it gets very out of whack. And Mike McDonald had him just really out of whack. Him and Purdy, and embarrass them on national TV in front of probably 30 million people, right? I would imagine a lot of people were watching that game, and rightfully so. And last but not least, uh, before we dive into the mailbag, my take on the coach of the year is pretty simple. What Stefanski's doing is awesome, but their team's really good, and I know they have a million injuries. And listen, he's a very deserving candidate, but he got it a couple years ago, and rightfully so, when they made the playoffs. So if the Browns did not have the year when they went to the playoffs and they beat the Pittsburgh Steelers, I would say, listen, if you do that with this organization, shit, you got to get it. Because part of it is elevating a dysfunctional operation. Next year, if Antonio Pierce leads the Raiders to the playoffs, even if he only wins nine or ten games, if they are in the playoffs, he's got to get it. Because like you elevated this organization, right? Stefanski's organization was already elevated. They were already, they're not a laughing stock anymore. Most people were picking them coming into the season to win like 12, 13 games. And like I said, a couple years ago, they had success. Not taking anything away from what he's doing. With Joe Flacco, they're awesome. To me, Dan Campbell has to win the award. Because when they won the game on, when was that? When did they play? Saturday or Sunday? It was Sunday morning against the Vikings. They won the division for the first time in 30 years. The first time in 30 years. They've had nine winning seasons in 90 years. Excuse me, nine, ten-plus win seasons. He has a chance. If the Niners lose one of these last two games, and who knows, that Rams game could get weird in two weeks because the Rams are playing really well, even though you know the Niners kind of own them. If the Lions win out, they will be the number one overall seed. The Detroit Lions are the number one overall seed. Just being in that mix with two games to go, is a remarkable accomplishment. Now, you can say, well, John, they won nine games last year. True. And it's a lot harder. I think it's way easier in life, no matter who you are or where you are, to be the guy hunting, to be the guy chasing, because no one thinks you can do it. And honestly, they're not paying as much attention to you. And it's just, it's easier to gain ground. It's a lot harder when everyone takes you seriously. And you have to sustain, right? The wind blows the hardest at the top of the mountaintop and obviously they didn't make the playoffs, so I'm not acting like they were getting treated like Belichick and Brady, but no one took the Lions this season as some pushover. I mean, hell, the year started with them going on the road and beating the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, it turns out the Kansas City Chiefs aren't exactly what they've been, but you guys know what I'm saying. Like They had legit expectations, and they haven't just answered the bell. They won the division easily, and they're probably going to win if they win out, and they play Minnesota again. I, I forget their other game, but I'm pretty sure it's pretty easy. They are going to win the most games in franchise history. Now, you could say 17 games a little different than 16 historically, and true. But if you win the most games in the history of a franchise for a franchise that's been around since 1934, and your franchise that entire time has not exactly been like the Cowboys, Steelers, or 49ers, like you lose a lot. I just got to give you the award. He's done a masterful job. He he really has. So to me, he would get the he would get the award honestly without kind of hesitation. <laughs> Okay, let's talk about my friends at Morgan & Morgan. Do you know that getting in an accident is hard? Hiring Morgan & Morgan is easy. 35% of all fatal accidents occur between 6 o'clock and midnight. People aged 15 to 24 have the highest rate of emergency room visits due to car accidents of all age groups. Morgan & Morgan is America's largest injury firm with over 100 offices nationwide and 900 lawyers. Morgan & Morgan has been fighting for the people for over 35 years. Listen, we've all known people who have gotten to accidents, and having good representation is key. Having someone that you can believe in and submitting an injury claim with Morgan & Morgan is so easy. If you're ever injured, you can check out Morgan & Morgan. Their fee is free unless they win. For more information, go to forthepeople.com slash john or pound law, pound 529, from your cell phone. That's forthepeople.com slash john, or pound law,
0: pound 529, from your cell. This is a paid advertisement. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage,
1: They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash j-o-h-n. That's linkedin.com slash j-o-h-n to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. eBay Motors is here for the ride. You know what I remember about my first car? Is that the moment I got it, I wanted to improve it. It's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Okay, let's go into some questions. Middlecoff mailbag, at John Middlecoff. Fire in those DMs, Instagram. Huge fan of the pod. I like this guy already. Two questions here from a struggling Bronco fan. First, how is it that Russ looks like he's barely worth being a starter for the first three quarters of a game, then completely tears it up in the fourth quarter? Is it because he just constantly going off script in a hurry-up offense, or is there another reason? Finally, what did the Broncos do about the quarterback in the offseason? I like Russ as a guy, but I don't think I can watch him play another year. Well, I don't think he'll have to. I, I don't think he's on the team next year. Now, how that has facilitated a cut, a trade where they eat a bunch of money. I I don't know, but I I would not envision Russell Wilson being on the Denver Broncos next year. Uh, I I think it's over and it's going to be pretty ugly divorce, you know, financially for the Broncos and the hit on the salary cap. But I I think they'll pivot. Uh, I think that much is pretty clear. I think it happens in the NFL a lot when you just kind of play free. Like you've got nothing to lose. It's like you stick to the game plan, you know, and, and you get very, very stuck in your ways. And then you're like, fuck it. Let's just let it rip. And then all of a sudden you play more free. Uh, it happens all around the league constantly, especially if a team's down like 20 points. And then the final score is like, oh, they only lost by six. Like, yeah, that game was not close. I'd be lying. I was, you know, Christmas festivities were going on. I tried to kept running back to the TV. I just think. I, I said this the other day, he even people that tried to prop him up, like Sean Payton's made him a lot better. Yeah, I mean, relative to as bad as it was last year where he was, like, one of the worst starters in the league, he's fine. I mean, he's probably, like, quarterback 22 this year. And I'm not even talking statistically. I'm just talking about when you watch him. And like you said, who wants to watch that guy play quarterback? It It was tough when Peyton Manning's final season. It's like, God, this guy's a shell of himself. I can't watch this. Neither could he. And it was over. Now, Russell Wilson can still play in the NFL, obviously. But I would expect him to not be on the team. And I would expect that to be over sooner than later when it comes to the offseason. I know you watch a lot of Niner games. I'm wondering if you notice Nick Bosa is always on the ground in pass rush situations. Seems odd to me. But whenever I watch him play, he looks like getting pancaked by tackles. Wondering if you notice it, too. Is he having a down year? I think he's like the first guy to have, you know through the first five years of his career, most sacks with like three other guys like Reggie White, J.J. Watt. Like, listen, I I think sometimes when you're really good, you get judged pretty harshly. Now, he can have games for being an all-time great player. I mean, I I think he's going to go down as like a Hall of Famer where you're just like, God, I don't quite feel him and notice him as much. Here's the other thing. The 49ers defensive line is not as good as it has been. And Chase Young, listen, for a late third-round pick, it's worth taking a flyer, but he's just kind of a guy. Like, he's solid. Uh, I'm not paying him much money in the offseason, if I'm any team. And Eric Armstead's out. Hargrave is kind of a situational player. Good interior pass rusher. But Kinlaw is one of the worst defensive tackles in the NFL. And they just have a lot of other rotational guys. So it's pretty easy to kind of overload for Bosa. I'm not trying to make excuses for him. But he's I, I think relative to what he was last year, he just hasn't had the same season. Now, the 49ers guys argue that... You know, he has a bunch of, you know, he leads the league in pressures or he's up there near the league leading pressures. He gets held all the time. It's like, yeah, most good defensive linemen do. But I hear you. I mean, you, you, you can watch some games and you just you just want to feel his presence. And I would say when you watch some of the all, all-time great pass rushers, they just refuse to be denied in these big games. You know, sometimes Bosa can just get neutralized. Bears fan here. At what point do we start looking at Matt Nagy as responsible for the Kansas City offensive problems? I mean, Andy Reid controls the offense. So whoever is the offensive coordinator for Andy Reid in Kansas City specifically, it's Andy Reid's baby. And to their personnel, like, let's face it, Travis Kelsey is kind of a shell of himself relative to like his all-time great status. He's no longer that guy. This has nothing to do with Taylor Swift. He just got old. He's 34, 35 years old. He's been injured a lot. Clearly, emotionally, like I saw the clip this morning. Him throwing the helmet, Andy Reid kind of bumping into him, trying to get his head in the game. And, and that, that's, say this about Andy. like I don't care if you're one of the greatest players I've ever coached or you're a scrub. I'm going to coach you hard. I'm going to be in your ass. I, I'm not going to allow... He wouldn't allow the trainer or the equipment guy to give his helmet back. Uh, they got high standards there. And, and Travis, I, I think he's playing hard. Like I think he's doing everything humanly possible to make plays. I think sometimes it's hard. And then when your next best receiver beside Travis Kelsey is Rice... Like it's a problem, it really is. And let's face it, like what happened to Mahomes was just bad. He just wasn't good for his standards. He still he still can keep plays alive and puts them in position, but their wide receivers don't make any plays. And then I think he gets frustrated, kind of overcompensates, and throws some of the bad picks. I mean, the pick on the out route to Jones was just that's like Derek Carr level throw. Patrick Mahomes does not make that throw. Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, those guys. It's it's weird when you see. That play happened to them, and I I do think that he just, it's kind of all coming to a head. And sometimes, listen, they've been to three Super Bowls in the last five years, they've won two of them, this guy's won a couple MVPs, you just have a down year. And if your down year is host a playoff game, win a playoff game, and still get bounced in the second round, think how many teams would sign up for that. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that, like, you have a bad year next year, they kind of reload this offseason, that they sign, you know, I'm not saying this guy specifically, but. You know, convince like a Mike Evans type, take a little less money, come play there, draft some skill guys. They'll be fine. They're not going anywhere. They're just having one of those transitional years. I'm terrified that Eberflus will not, the Bears will not fire Eberflus, and I'm extremely terrified that they do not fire Getze for the lack of ingenuity, lack of motion, terrible play routes, and ability to adapt adjustments Caleb Williams or any other quarterback cannot play under his play calling in the NFL. It's horrific. (laughs) So, Yeah. Uh, I think the Bears are a wild card, man. I I really do. You know, one thing that kind of bothers me is this Kevin Warren, the president of the Bears, who they hired from the Big Ten, just now has carte blanche. Like, he has all the juice to run football. That's who the guy you're treating like he's like Al Davis or Phil Polian. He just gets to be the boss. And just everyone answers to him. Like, I, I would say this. That's a huge fucking red flag. Whether it's Eberflus, whether they fire him and you know, Harbaugh would not work for Kevin Warren. Belichick, Mike Tomlin, they're not working for Kevin Warren. Like, I'm answering to you? In what world, as an as a football coach with a track record, do I have to answer to you? It would not happen. Get, get the fuck out of here. I, I, I refuse to deal with you. You're the guy that wanted to cancel football. He'd be like, well, the president's did. It wasn't me. Bullshit. That, that guy is such a fraud. I, I, I have a huge red flags on the Bears with that situation. until that situation is handled, like if everyone has to answer to him, like he's listen, we we can make fun of owners all we want. Like, Hey man, that's the thing. Like right now, the, you know, the Brandon Staley and Telesco had to answer to John Spanos, who is Dean's son. Listen, they own the team. They they can do whatever they want, right? Whether it's right or wrong, like it's still their prerogative. It's another thing when you, you hire a guy who's an administrator and that person has to answer to, I don't, I don't, I don't feel comfortable with that. As just someone who thinks, like, are they going to have success? I, I would bet against it. And it speaks to the ownership uh, not having a great feel and clue what's going on. And I, I think they got major problems until they figure that out. So whether Iberflus comes back or they try to hire another coach, if they got an answer to Kevin Warren, I, I don't know if much is going to change. I'd like to know your opinions on how penalties, specifically defensive pass interference,s and holding. I'm of the opinion that those should be 15 yards from the line of scrimmage for DPI and five yards for holding, but take away the automatic first downs. Yeah, I've said forever, the pass interference, they should copy college, right? Like in one thing I like with the pros that's different in college is the one foot, two foot. Like it's the pros. You should have to get two feet down. And obviously that costs a lot of catches over the course of a year. No issue with that. One thing college got right is you can't just throw up an absolute Hail Mary pass when the wide receiver or defensive back have no chance of catching it and get 50 60 40 yards when your offense has been terrible and that happens all the time in the NFL. So I would have absolutely no problem with changing the 15 yard penalty, you know, to a 15 yard standard penalty. No at the point of the penalty. Like that that would get I I totally for that. I've always said defensive holding You know, and defensive holding is such a subjective coin flip play, even to me more than pass interference. How often on like 3rd and 10 or 3rd and 15 is there a defensive holding which close to the line of scrimmage where the DB is kind of like fighting with the wide receiver, automatic first down? That should be a spot foul. So wherever the holding took place, you get 3rd. If it was 3rd and 12, well, now it's 3rd and 7. You you don't get an automatic first. I, I despise that play. Holding, I'll be honest, I haven't really thought of. My only issue with that is holding is a pretty big deal when it's called correctly. Like, the reason I'm holding as an offensive lineman is because you would have sacked my quarterback. And when you sack my quarterback, it could lead to a fumble. It could lead to maybe you sack the quarterback as he's throwing. It gets tipped. It's a pick. Like, it's, it's a pretty, you know, I, I have no issue with that. But but I'll be honest, I haven't thought that much about it. Have currently gotten out of college football, in which I coached for 15 years. I will be joining the bald head club in the next week or so. Welcome. Any advice? I think for two years I shaved it with a uh, with like an electric razor, so it only got to a one. I had more hair early on, so when I was bald, it didn't look as terrible. And as I've gotten older, less than a year away from the big 4.0, it's kind of crazy. I started using, when I say older, probably, you know, two, three years into shaving, I started using just the Mach 5 or Mach 3 and shaving my head. And now I shave my head every couple days. And uh, I'll never look back. I've said this forever. Uh, It's obviously very expensive to get hair implants. And I've had a couple buddies that did it, and they said that it was the most painful experience of their life. Like, you're in tears just sitting there. It's not, one, guaranteed to hold, and two, you just get your old hair back. And my thing is, I would come back to be a hair guy if you could guarantee me, like, high-end hair. So my hair would flow like I'm, um, you know, Brad Pitt or George Clooney or, you know, Tom Brady. But if you just get any, e- e- his hair plant, see, his hair was good, so when he was losing it and gotten, got the procedure, it just added his own hair. They just take out the hair from your sides and put it on top. My hair was okay. You know, it was kind of coarse, didn't flow that well, had a lot of different calyx. I, I, I wouldn't want my old hair back. So I'd have no problem coming back. I just want new hair. I want new flow. And if you can't guarantee me new flow, I'm not coming back. So shave it, let it rip. If you can, grow a beard or whatever. Now that I don't coach, I've gotten into betting and was wondering what resources you use other than your main man, Stucky. Stucky's probably my main man. <laughs> Other than that, I'm, I'm a big eye test guy. I, I'm not... I, I do gut feels. Now, I, I bet, you know, typically one or two big games a week, depending, you know, early on in the season, you get pretty excited because football's back. Late in the season, you kind of pick your spots toward the playoff run. But, like, I'm going heavily on Washington against Steve Sarkeesian, And it has nothing to do with, like, I'm not breaking down matchups and it's just like I'm just betting on Kalen Dubore with 30 plus days of rest and coaching time and preparation period to outcoach Steve Sarkeesian that's my logic <laughs> that's my <laughs> it's period point blank end of story so I, I'm a basic like I think sometimes you can overthink it and listen Stucky's so deep into the weeds and he's been fucking hot so like when he's giving me these nuggets and he's on fire I just ride him right but I, I don't Break down the individual. I think sometimes, too, we overreact to injuries with positions like, oh, this right tackles out. Like, ultimately, it doesn't move the line very often. But if you watch football at the level in which we all do, it's easy to like, oh, they're missing this wide receiver. Oh, Tyree kills out. How are they going to score against the Jets? And they score. They win 30 to 10. So you just got to watch a lot of football. That's how I do it in golf. I I just watch a lot of golf (laughs) and I know who's playing well, who's not playing well and who's played well at these places before, and then I kind of bet on it that way. I'm a Patriots fan and was wondering what are your thoughts on a team rebuild. I think you should focus on building a strong core of players first and move up in the draft to target a quarterback with a high ceiling. My friend wants to draft a quarterback with a second overall pick if we stay there. Though I agree quarterback is the most important position, is it a waste to have your quarterback on a rookie-scale deal during a rebuild? My fear is we get an average starter and fail to put pieces around him in time to compete. Appreciate your thoughts. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you, Austin. I think there is no right or wrong way to do it. If you have a quarterback that you really like and you think he can be a really good player, you just have to get him if you're in position, right? I think that's always going to be the priority. Now, if you you're not going to force a quarterback at a spot if you don't feel comfortable. So, to me, if Like one of the quarterback, if you're drafting and the two quarterbacks you like are off the board and you don't think the other guy is a top 20 pick, take the best player. And then maybe in the second, third round, take a quarterback. I'm not against that. But I I think when you force a quarterback, just like you could argue forcing other positions, you get in the spots where all of a sudden you regret the player. When you just take a good player, like a couple years ago, the Patriots took uh, Barmore from Alabama. (laughs) He's a fucking stud. Just take the best player on the board. And I I think if you continually stick to that plan and then take the quarterback when you feel right. Now, you're going to have conviction on a quarterback. Dave Gettleman thought Daniel Jones was the uh, top 10 quarterback and drafted him six overall. it hasn't worked out, right? Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, like sometimes it fails. So that's the shitty part. Even if you like the guy, the, the history on that guy succeeding is pretty small. A lot of talk about the officiating lately. Obviously, there needs to be refs on the field to manage the game, but it's 2023. Why the fuck are we relying on them to make calls? It's not realistic to expect the refs to see everything when there are 200 plus cameras on the game. It feels like booth review is eventually going to be relayed to the refs almost every play in the future. So what are we waiting for? I think that expedited review that they're doing, I've seen it in a bunch of games lately where, you know, they kind of, I don't even know if it's a challenge, if it's just automatic review and it's very quick. Like, we all see it. Let's move on. Let's go. I I hate the delay. I hate the time wasted. It's like, this one's pretty clear. Now, some, because the rules have gotten in such a gray area. It's like, is that a catch? Is that, you know, it's hard to know. But I like when it's pretty clear, cut and dry, quick review, expedite it, boom, touchdown, no catch. You know, fumble, whatever. Let's move on. Like you said, it is difficult. I'm tough on officials. I'm a human being, though, and understand there's a level to that position. No, being in that position that these guys are running four 440s, fucking shit's happening, flying. It's so much easier for us to judge it on the couch in slow motion. <laughs> it just is. I'm I'm tough on them. But I'm just tough because I'm just tired of getting it wrong. Can't we just get it right? And like you said, there has to be a balance. Because ultimately, this is entertainment product. But entertainment product that now we're betting on, a lot of money's on the line. So how do we strike the perfect balance of getting it correct, moving quickly. The the NBA got it wrong. You watch the final couple minutes of a basketball game, you're like, I I don't have 30 minutes. Can we just finish this fucking thing? I'm a huge Vikings fan, and I was wondering if you were the GM, what you would do at the quarterback position. I think the easy move is to try to bring Cousins back at a cost-prohibitive number. Like, a number that we can agree on that isn't crazy, probably incentivize it based on the Achilles. Now, is Cousins because he's you know the best quarterback on the market by a mile, now he's injured, or some, would someone give him just one year $30 million and just risk it? Because I, I, I'd struggle to give him like, hey, I'll guarantee you like $15 million, and then we'll give you like million dollar game bonuses. You know, $500,000 for every start and 500000 for every win. So if you're like a 10-win quarterback and you play a lot, boom, we can get 25, 30000000 pretty easy and give a bunch of touchdown incentives. So if you're good, you want to stay here. There, there has to be, you know, this is a business. So I got to mitigate my risk of like, well, if it doesn't go well, I, I can't totally screw over the team. But I also know that if you're just 80, 85% of what you were, you're better than anything we can find. They're, they're in a very, very tough position. If the New York Giants end up drafting 6-8 to eight and miss out on the top two quarterbacks, should they trade up for Jalen, Jaden, Daniels, or attempt to build an O-line and get weapons? You know the weird part about where the Giants are at is their quarterback, who I, I think I saw yesterday on the sideline watching the Eagles game. Had to be him. Is <clears throat> he's going to be on the team next year, and depending on like he could be healthy by week one. So are they, are they just going to have a forty million dollar backup if they trade it up to get one of these quarterbacks? That, that's my what I wonder how this is all going to work. Was he bad enough that they're just totally out on him? And I'm meaning the owner. So do you just move up and draft a quarterback, and then he just gets a start and Daniel Jones is backup? Or do you move up and kind of redshirt him a year? I, I don't know. I think it's a very, very tricky situation. It all gets back to Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones being a disaster and now injured is, you know, a, a massive curveball to the organization. Now, you could just argue the money's spent, whatever, don't even worry about him. Treat him like he's not even on the team. And I think that's easy for us to say on the outside, but is that how the owner's going to treat it? Question Colts fans who now lives in Colorado. What the heck happened to Carson Wentz? Why can't this guy get a spot on a roster? Is he a bad locker room guy? He's on the Rams right now. Carson Wentz did. He's on the Rams. I think in the NFL, it's a lot like high school or like an office where rumors, when they start spreading, perception becomes reality. And he had a lot of negativity surrounding him about the way people inside buildings viewed him. And that means the players and the coaches. Players, he didn't have many friends on teams. This is the rumors, and he wouldn't listen to coaches. So you get this rep of, well, the team doesn't really like him, and he's not that coachable. It's kind of a nail in your coffin as a player. Now, he had such rock bottom. I heard of a team last year. I got a story about they did research on a couple quarterbacks. He was one of them to be their team's backup, and they, they kind of sent in a mole. To, to kind of talk to him, a football guy, to talk to him and get some intel on where his head was at. And it was a lot of like, I'm getting screwed. And listen, that's we've all had that attitude a time or two in our life. But there gets to a point where you no longer are a starter. The attitude kind of has to be like, hey, I'll do whatever it takes to help the team. I just want to get my career back, to train back on the tracks, and I'm willing to do anything to help anybody, especially a top 10 quarterback to be his backup. From what I was told, that was not the attitude. And this team uh, went with another guy because of that. Because they talked to the other guy, and his attitude was exactly that. What you'd like to hear out of a backup. And I think once you kind of make that transition from starting quarterback to backup, the attitude and the mindset has to change. Not of work ethic and trying at football and being prepared, but of how you approach when you walk in the building. You're not the alpha anymore. You're the beta. And I mean, when I say you're the beta, like people aren't looking to you. To be a good guy, to be a good teammate and all that stuff, to help the starting quarterback, you, you, you are essentially an assistant coach that wears pads during practice. And I think that's hard for a lot of guys, especially guys that have made some money. It'll be interesting what happens to Derek Carr's career in the next couple of years. So I'm a Pats fan, and there's some decisions to be made. How come we don't hear about McDaniels going back to the OC and sticking with Bill for one more rookie quarterback cycle? Or on the other hand, wouldn't Jim Harbaugh be the best replacement considering his track record with winning everywhere he goes? Obviously, he's a top option for every team, but I just never hear this. It's hard to see Jim Harbaugh going to the Patriots. and It's hard to see the, the Crafts dealing with Jim Harbaugh. They just dealt with Belichick for a long time. Uh, I, I think it's safe to say if, if Bill Belichick's fired, mutually departed, traded, however it works out, Jim Harbaugh will not be your coach. I think the question is, will Gerard Mayo be the coach? Everyone says he's the coach in waiting. Is that actually the play, the, what's going to take place? Or is it just, are they having second thoughts after the season? You know, I, I don't know. I, I think when it comes to Josh McDaniels, I can imagine Josh, who was just paid $50, 60000000 million to go away. It'd be hard to swallow your pride a second time and go back to Bill. He did it once, and it resurrected his career. Now, He's never going to be a head coach again, so he's going to go back to Bill and just be a coordinator the rest of his life. I think it's a lot easier if they went to the Chargers or they went to the Bears, the Commanders, for him to do that. I think it's much more difficult to go back to New England. Just just put yourself in his shoes from a pride standpoint, from an ego standpoint. Regardless how everyone talks shit about you, how everyone's making fun of you, I, I don't know if I could do it. For the mailbag. I'm finishing up my undergrad at the University of Montana, the Grizzlies in the national championship and have always wanted to work in football, scout coach in the media. Even I think the route you took from scout to media is ideal. I was wondering what advice you would have to give someone looking to get their foot in the door. Well, if you want to get in the media, times have never been easier. Legacy media dies every day and the whatever this is, the podcasting, online. It's never been easier to do your own stuff. Now to do your own stuff, you just have to start doing your own stuff. And when I made the transition from radio to podcast, I already had kind of a built-in audience. And then once I got with Colin, obviously he opened me up to a distribution channel that is pretty elite. (laughs) You know, it's a pretty big one. Right? So it's like getting into Costco or something if you have a product. And I think the first thing you need to worry about if you wanted to go that route Start doing a YouTube channel. Start doing a, an Instagram every day. Make posts every single day. Every day, go on YouTube and post five, ten minutes, I, whatever. Whatever you want to talk about. Now, if you want to get into football, you went to Montana. You know you have an opportunity to get in with the program. So I'll help with recruiting. I'll help do whatever. That's how I got my start at Cal Poly and even Fresno State. Like It's, it's a lot harder to get your foot in the door at Alabama or Georgia. You're at Montana, which produces a bunch of NFL guys, but it's still a small school. So it, it's never too late. You know, look at Mike McDonald, Mike McDonald, Ravens started working in college. And then ultimately it led him into the program there. So I, I would, if you want to work in football, just say, Hey, can, what can I help out doing? I, I want to work in recruiting. If you want to do media stuff, just start giving takes on Twitter, on YouTube, on Snapchat, on TikTok, on, you know, all these different Start a podcast. Now you, you're going to have to stomach no one listening for a while. Part of the deal. I do believe the cream rises. So if you stick with it for 10 years, you make something happen. Now, you might have to get a job, do something else at the time. Uh, if that's the route you want to take, but uh, you just got to start. The faster you start and the less time you think about it, the, the faster you'll get to where you want to go. But if you want to work in football, you're at Montana right now. I, I, would, I would go up to Bobby Hoke at the end of the season when they, after they you know, win or lose the national championship and say, I want to get involved. If you're in the Niners front office, what are three moves you're making for next season? When talking about Brock Purdy's value to the team in comparison to the supreme scheme and roster around him, how come nobody mentions that his play single-handedly saved the jobs of the schemer and roster builder via the Lance fiasco? I just think we live in a world, and I'm guilty of this too. We're just on to the next thing. Like, no one talks, Trey Lance is completely irrelevant. He just is. You know, since Trey Lance has been drafted by the 49ers, the Niners have been to two NFC championships and they're currently 11 and four. So that's the great part about the NFL, right? You just move on, it works at rapid speed. The best part of the NFL is urgency, 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 and we're on to the next thing. Like the only thing that matters for the 49ers now is the Washington Commander game at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on Sunday. Trey Lance is such a distant memory of just irrelevance even though it is one of the worst trades of all time. Uh, But I hear you. But I also think comparing yourself to a guy that is a third stringer in the NFL is a pretty low bar. And, you know, this is not George Steinbrenner or Al Davis. Jed York loves these guys. So even if it hadn't been as smooth, now, if they had sucked, yeah, maybe they ended up getting fired. But I think they were on a lot longer leash than people realize. Like, ultimately, Trey Lance... To Jed York, is just whatever. You know, it's $25 million signing bonus. Move on. Let's, who cares? There are just still going to be question marks with Brock Purdy playing the best teams on defense. Can he elevate? And so far this year, it hasn't gone smoothly. Now, Trey Lance would have no chance. I mean, the, the Niners would, I don't even think, make the playoffs if Trey Lance was a starting quarterback. He, I just don't think he can play. But comparing him to Trey Lance is kind of an irre- irrelevant exercise, in my opinion. If you're the Niners front office, what are the three moves you're making? I think you have to figure out Eric Armstead. You know, he makes a ton of money and he's like the team captain. They call him the blueprint in the organization. But when you make 15, 16, 17 million dollars and you're old and injured a lot, you know, this is football. This isn't, you know, you got to separate emotions. I mean, the best two coaches of my life, Walsh and Belichick, were just cutthroat. So how do you balance that? And, you know, whether you will you come back and play for four or five million dollars? Because we'll take you but we can't pay you this. And that leads into Brandon Ayuk, who is a stud and you got to keep, but he's a 20 plus million dollar player. Can you have Brandon Ayuk and Debo making a combined, you know, $50 million? Now, because of the way the cap works, it doesn't exactly equal that on the salary cap, but Debo's salary cap hit next year is huge. So I think you need to improve the offensive line and the defensive line beside Bosa this year just hasn't been good enough. It just simply hasn't been good enough. And I think talent-wise, they're just not as good. The Drake Jackson has been a whiff. I mean, they kind of whiffed on the draft a couple years ago. Ty Davis-Price is on the practice squad. Drake Jackson can't play. And Danny Gray just got passed by Ronnie Bell in the blink of an eye. Other than that, one big-picture thing that's looming for the 49ers is Trent Williams is 35, 36 years old. It's like he's not going to play forever. And they're never going to draft high enough to get one of the sweet left. How do you ever replace him? I mean, the only reason you got Trent Williams is because he refused to get traded to the Vikings and wanted to play for his dude, Kyle Shanahan. It's the only reason they got him. The Vikings offered a better deal. And Trent Williams is like, no, I refuse. I'll just stay retired. <laughs> I mean, which benefits of Niners, like Kyle's relationship with him. But there was some, a lot of luck involved with that. Let's not act like it. he's just like, no one was on Trent Williams or the Niners stole him. No, not really the way it happened. Mailbag question for the Pro Bowl. I definitely agree that it's dead and pointless. But I've seen boys ages 13 and 11 that love football, that want to watch it, and finally silly skill games and flag football entertaining. They don't have the sophisticated takes or opinions about the NFL yet, so seeing the big stars, players, silly things like they do P.E. or at the park with their friends is fun. I agree. No, I mean, I'm telling you, the, the reason they stopped, there was like this balancing act, the flag football thing, it, it was getting like 6-7 million people. Like yesterday on Christmas, nobody watched any of the NBA games as many people that watch flag football in the NFL. And there is a benefit. The problem is the players keep getting very hesitant to get injured, right? Tearing ACL, tearing Achilles. And I think there was just this balancing act. Uh, I, I never disputed the people. People watch. People watch the Pro Bowl. So I, I don't know. I don't really have a good answer to how it's all going to work out, but it just... It's just going to go into, you know, the skills competition, which I still think is cool for the kids to watch Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen and Tyreek Hill and, you know, do stupid shit. Like your takes and in interaction with Colin. Informed and relatable. As a Davis grad, I recommend a little work on reading of the ads. Cadence is a little off. Thanks, Stuart. We got <laughs> Stuart doesn't like the way I read ads. I literally, you just read what they give you. It's not, it's not that complicated, buddy. Uh, but appreciate the feedback. Listen, gotta, you got to take the good with the bad. Been watching your show since Kyler Murray's Call of Duty contract and I've been watching every episode since. With how serious football injuries can be, do you think it's possible long-term, That and really quick on the ads, you know, we're sold out for a reason. <laughs> do it, does pretty well here. I, I'd say my ad reading, and I, again, I'm not trying to get defensive here, but we've had a lot of success within the advertisements. Uh, given that that's what pays the bills uh, around these parts. So I'd say we're doing something right. Uh, I would say advertising, uh, dealing with our advertisers, uh, is a major, major positive uh, for this little operation that we call the 3NOW Podcast with me. Again, reading, I'm always looking to improve. Cadence a little off. Uh, I'll work on my cadence for you, Stuart. Do you think it's possible that long-term the NFL could be shut down or at least seriously changed somehow? I just don't want to happen... But just somehow, something I've wondered about Oh, with how serious football injuries can be. I think this is the reason that they kick guys out of games. This is the reason they suspend guys without pay. It is simply because they don't ever want to get sued at the rate in which they got sued before. And they lost, I forget the exact amount, but it was clearly a lot of money. And you had everyone at ESPN, which was kind of ironic given that they were in business with the NFL Rooting for the NFL to shut down and end. It's like, are you guys fucking morons? Now, Big J's get up in their emotions. But I I, I do think that after going through that, and let's face it, I mean, for a long time, the NFL didn't care about anything, right? Injury-wise, and it bit them in the ass financially. And just like any company that goes through something, well, they, they overcompensate the other way. Called, we all say it, CYA, cover your ass. And that's currently what the NFL is doing. They're in massive cover your ass mode. So even when a serious injury happens, they go, we have every protocol. Like, ultimately, it's a violent game. So bad things are going to happen. It's, it's unavoidable. No different like boxing or UFC. This is not, you know, we're not playing softball here. This is a game where people get tackled by enormous men running really fast, trying to, you know, inflict pain when they hit you. This is not, this is a violent sport. Always has been, always will be. I don't even think they necessarily try to take the violence out. They just try to take the outcomes of the violence out. And through that, that they have pushed away from these headhunting safeties and linebackers. To me, the protecting the quarterback is much more about the business of football, which is all surrounding the ratings. And the ratings, you know, pay for everything in the National Football League. I think it's just to find balance. And this is, you know, one of the bigger businesses. You know, it's definitely the biggest sports business in America. And it's it's become, you know, a powerhouse business in this country because it's the number one television show in this country. And they're making billions upon billions of dollars. They're signing hundred billion dollar television revenue. All these teams are worth five to ten billion dollars. And I, I just think that they'll do whatever to protect themselves, as you or I would. That's what happens in business. That's what happens when you get money. You do things to protect it. You know, I start owning a couple properties. Me and my girlfriend were talking like, you know, I got to put some of this stuff in a trust. You you, ha- you, have to take different mindsets as life changes. And once upon a time, the NFL, you know, in the 80s was not some business behemoth as it is now. Relative to, you know, the rest of the Fortune 500 companies, right? And I'm not saying it's valued like Google or, you know, some of these companies. But as a whole, as a partnership, which the NFL is, it's 32 entities under one umbrella, right? One individual team doesn't equal one of these companies. But when you add all 32 of them up, they're just, it's just a behemoth. And when you have a behemoth, you don't want to go back to, you know, backwards. You want to go forwards. And that's the way business looks at everything. You're growing, you're dying. You're getting bigger. And the bigger you get, the more you have to protect yourself. I would imagine a lot of people listening to this work for bigger companies. What happens to those bigger companies? You get sued a lot. Sometimes justified, sometimes not. And there's a reason, you know, I I was taught a long time ago, the more success you have, the two people you need to keep very, very close that need to be very good at their job are your accountant and your lawyer. And that's advice that I think about a lot. (laughs) You know, I'm I'm actually kind of looking for a new accountant. Not because mine's bad. I just, I just need to get a guy that I want to have a presence where I can see him. My, My other guy lives across the country and I just, I need to, that's a story for a different day, but. Also, question for the podcast. Clearly, the Eagles are in for at least a semi-reset this offseason. Could you foresee a scenario which potentially Sirianni is gone in the next year or so? Obviously, right now, his record seems indisputable, but we've seen similar things happen with Super Bowl winning coaches. I think Sirianni, they're gonna, you know, they're gonna be the one, two, or three seed. So they're gonna host a playoff game. If they get the one seed back-to-back years. They get a free buy. And, you know, I I would say if he doesn't win a playoff game, and let's just assume, let's just pick there the two or three seed, So they play wild card weekend. I think if he were to lose to the Rams, let's say he's the three seed, and he plays the Rams, and they went into the link and beat him, I think there would be problems. Now, I don't think he would necessarily be fired right away, but I think there would be problems. And I think 100% he'd be on the hot seat next year. I think there would be push to make an offensive coordinator change, which is the problem like, Nick, what do you do? Like, what is your role? And then the other thing would be, I just think, I would imagine Matt Patricia is just the defensive coordinator next year. And, you know, Sirianni's career would be tied to whoever his offensive coordinator is and Matt Patricia. And that's kind of feels what it's at. Now, he wins a couple playoff games, and he gets beat by the Niners or whatever in the NFC Championship game. It'll be fine. Back-to-back years, NFC Championship game, Super Bowl. Like I I'm sorry. Like that's that's fucking pretty successful. Now the Eagles, a high standard place. They're used to winning you know, they're trying to win another Super Bowl. Uh they've been to a couple. They obviously thought this team was Super Bowl worthy. Maybe it's just not. And, you know, it's not his fault that everything happened with Jonathan Gannon and and Vic Fangio, right? But that did happen. And it clearly cost him a little bit. And now they got they got a lot of pressure. I, th- I think no team has more pressure. Like To me, the Chiefs, even if they're one and done, it's like, whatever. They've been in three Super Bowls. They've won a couple. Shit happens. There's going to be a lot of pressure on the Bills if they get in. A lot of pressure on the Dolphins. A lot of pressure on the Cowboys. A lot of pressure on the Eagles. A lot of pressure on the 49ers. Like, this is what this is. Not everyone can win these games. And whoever wins, it's going to feel beyond devastating. And uh, fascinating to watch how it all plays out. So, listen, uh, Sirianni is a fascinating case study. And I think, you know, these next couple of weeks, he should win both games against the Cardinals, and then he plays uh, plays the Giants again on the road. So, you know, there's a pretty good chance he's going to win 13 games. <laughs> so, it's like, he, wait, he won 27 games in back-to-back years, and it feels like people are on edge? That's Philly for you, too. I mean, this place, when they think they have a team that should be better than they are, people freak out. And that's because they do look a little weird. There, There is no disputing that right like whether you're an Eagles fan or not if you just watch them you go they don't quite look right even though they're not bad and they got a t- and part of it is they just have a ton of talent they have a ton of offensive firepower and when the quarterback looks solid as he did yesterday for a lot of that game it's just he's a he's a mother I mean he is he's tough man cuz he can run he's not super fast but he's elusive he's got a good arm when he's accurate and the timing's on he can make plays outside the pocket so if they if they get that guy they're they're a very very ski, scary team to play now, their defense is just a major, major question mark, and now they're just tied to Matt Patricia. Can he save their ass? Time will tell.
0: The volume. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, The cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions.
1: With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class. And 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com Active Cash. Looking for an assist with your credit card? See terms at discover.com slash credit card.